Ya pele mo tsenya mo tsena wa ile. Di khona funa funa no it's good it's good to have you back. Uh, and Alisa, I want us maybe to start off uh, with uh, the property sector. I mean there's this company and the company Safari Investments. Now these are the guys who um, invest in some malls uh, in Mamelodi. They've got uh, I think Komo Ngoma Mall or Ngoma Interchange, I think that side, uh, and uh, a few other uh, investments, largely in townships and even uh, peri-urban areas, uh, also in the uh, Soweto side as well. Uh, and it seems everybody's been circling around this company wanting to t- take it over. Uh, and many of the shareholders are even starting to, I guess, get angry with the management here for not taking some of the offers on the table. Look, I mean, I think their problem actually started, their problems actually started last year. And I think if we were following the AGM yesterday, also that was just mm. another interesting part. But I think their problem started last year um, during the, the when they rejected those couple of majors. I think they had a Fairvest or um, and a Harriet one, and they turned down those. So I think that has that also created some split in terms of the management, but also the board itself. Because I remember just a few months after that, um, one of their co-founders also resigned. And mm. I mean, if you look at yesterday, you know, um, during their their um, AGM, you could see the splits. Um, you could even like I was reading their statement, and like uh, very quite clear, quite clear on who's staying and who's leaving. And I mean, minority shareholders um, had actually a great impact in in terms of the turnaround, or maybe mm. should I say, in terms of kicking out the certain board members that they thought they were problematic. So, so I mean, Annalisa, I, just I guess uh, on this one, uh, it's always quite interesting for me when, when you've got uh, uh, some of these real estate investment trusts and, and you have a few, you know, uh, minority shareholders. I think Chris Logan has probably been one of the more vocal ones from, from Opportune Investments who are saying, you know, you guys haven't delivered shareholder value. You've had a lot of access to, to all of this capital. And yet on the back of that, uh, you know, this hasn't really uh, returned some value for shareholders. And it will certainly... Uh, continue to take a look at that particular story. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now, uh, but when we uh, come back, we continue with Annalisa and we take a look at African Rainbow Capital. And it seems uh, more and more of you have been buying rain SIM cards, and that's uh, certainly making uh, some at uh, the uh, Motsepe owned African Rainbow Capital very, very happy. Eight minutes it is before 8 p.m. Uh, you tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. And uh, we're in conversation with Annalisa Tuso, taking a look at the big stories in the world of business. And uh, we just took a look at uh, Safari Investments, uh, where it seems that AGM was quite a heated affair. Uh, and uh, we've also seen uh, some changes in the uh, uh, directors of that particular company. But let's shift our attention now to a mobile operator, Rain, uh, which has certainly had a positive impact, Annalisa. Uh, on the uh, basket uh, of investments in the portfolio of African Rainbow Capital. Uh, and uh, they've certainly benefited from the lockdown. Look, I mean, I, I think one thing that Rain, man, Rain managed to do efficiently when I, uh, um, because I actually also use them side bar, um, is they've got this amazing thing where you don't have to have like a full contract with them where you do a monthly subscription. And I think a lot of people during the lockdown, you're trying to cut your costs. You're trying to find a system that is sustainable. Because remember, if I'm going to have to sign up for a 12-month contract when I've got uncertainty when it comes to my employment, then I'm going to have problems. So I'd rather take things as they come. And I mean, it, it, it seems like that actually benefited because a lot of people actually signed up for a over the lockdown period, which is 
quite a good news for the overall company, which is um, their, their, well, I'll say their largest investor at the stage. Mm. What do you make of how Time Bank has performed? Uh, I, I found it quite interesting. I mean, they were saying here <laughs> that Time Bank has about 1.9 million customers. That's what they had by the end of June. Uh, and uh, contributes about 8.3% of, I guess, the value of the fund. But wh- what do you make of them? Look, I mean, I, I think just a, on, a, on a personal note, I think we're still in a, in a very technologically divided society. So because Time Bank also has, is quite heavy when it comes to online, yes, they're trying to reach into retail, but it's very heavy online with the online side mm. of it. I think it hasn't reached the audience or the target that it was trying to get to. And I mean, I remember when they made that announcement that there would be, that to see members would get a Time Bank um, card or open, have like something to do with just have to be able to open a bank account with Time Bank. And I, I see they mentioned that the lockdown has affected them. Again, I think they've got great potential. Um, they've got great potential to penetrate the South African market and get into those rural areas, those township spaces. Um, they just need to sell Time Bank as something that is not just online, because I think a lot of the people see Time Bank as something that is just strictly online, which in South mm. Africa we are. And we, I just think that we haven't reached that stage where we can digitize everything. Sure, sure. But what do you make, I mean, of, of, of how they've been able to piggyback on on some of the retailers? I mean, they've been able to use uh, Boxer Superstores very well. I mean, you get a Boxer, you, you'll certainly find Time Digital Bank there. I think that was a, one of the first few places they went to, and even, I think, Pick and Bay yeah. as well, which is part of the same group uh, uh, with a Boxer. Do, do you think that might be able to give them at least the boots-on-the-ground type presence that will uh, allow them to ro- grow those subscription numbers? I think so. I think so. I mean, they could always even just venture into your big township spaza shops, you know, those corner shops. There's so mm. much that they could do. Because for me, when I saw them at Box, I was like, they're moving towards the right spaces. The spaces will be really, really, not just a, a, a black-owned bank, but also a a bank that is accessible where Ukwagonoma don't have to walk to town because Boxer is usually placed in spaces where you don't have to get a taxi to go to town. Um, so I think it's... I, I'm genuinely very positive when it comes to the, the ARC's investment because they've got a good eye for investment. But I think let's give them post-COVID so that they could build their plans properly because I think they're in a bit of a tight situation because just a few months after they launched in the market, they found themselves under COVID, which made, it, which made things difficult for almost everyone. Mm-hmm. Let's shift our attention now to PPC. Uh, we saw, I guess, uh, their share price dropping somewhat after they uh, announced uh, some asset uh, disposals here and a capital raise. Also, all of this is part of a new agreement they've arrived at with their lenders. And uh, much like a lot of the companies up in South Africa, finding themselves uh, straddled with some debt that is in excess, I guess, of uh, their market capitalization. What's happening here? Look, I mean, PPC is quite a tricky case because they've got debt of 5.1 billion rand. That's like double, if not, that's actually a triple. Um, of that's more like, like five times, five act- times. <laughs> yeah, like it's, but again, remember, I think you and I spoke about this at the beginning of the year where we highlighted the problem of the, the Chinese imports that get into our country. Um, unfortunately, the... Mm. the the local products tend to be quite expensive. And I mean, it's, imports can be quite problematic, um, especially if they're not well-regulated. And we've had this conversation before that 
one of the reasons why the, the cement industry isn't doing very well, I'll say one of the reasons because there are other structural reasons, is the fact that there's such a huge influx of imports which are impossible to compete with because they are way cheaper. They're not even, like our local cement is very expensive than compared to the cheaper imports. Of course, I mean, imports are usually cheaper because wherever they are produced, they're producing cheap in bulk and they are distributed in, in masses. So I, I guess that has actually been one of the reasons why they found themselves in this, that case. But I, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with some of the things that they managed to um, to cover on the statement because I see they were able to even negotiate with some of their lenders in terms of just buying them time when it comes to the debt and the repayment mm. um, on the interest, which gives them time. I mean, it's, it's quite historic because PPC is one of those companies that we all know. Um, we grew up seeing even like in Baghi, PPC, or Elam Motors, and Gulu Vizola. So mm, it would be tragic mm. if they were to fail. But again, yeah. I guess it's back to that regulation issue on inputs. Yeah, and you know, they had, these are the guys that had very strong operations even on the continent. And it's certainly a very sad day when, when you hear of them, uh, I guess, uh, stuttering along in this kind of fashion. But uh, before I let you go, uh, uh, Annalisa, what do you make of this? Uh, China's version uh, of, uh, I guess, a social or instant messaging app similar to uh, TikTok called Doyen, and I hope I'm pronouncing that okay, um, hit 600 million daily active users in August. We don't even have six, six, you know, we don't even have anywhere near that number. Just for Africa. 600 million. That's an interesting one. 600 million is quite a lot of people. Um, but, you know, the, the, like I was actually talking to a friend this morning that the thing about Doyen is actually owned by the same company that owns TikTok. Mm. So it's little, ByteDance is, has two platforms that are doing exceptionally well, but the other platform is getting kicked out in a certain market that they thought they would dominate fully. So and that's in the US, yeah. Are, yeah. Yes. So now you are, you've got Doyen that's doing extremely well in China, um, and you've got TikTok that was doing quite well in the US, but not as great as Doyen, because I think TikTok had about a 100 million um, per month, not even like per day. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. I guess ByteDance is, is up to something, um, and they, they're very good in, when it comes to such, because remember, the whole point of having two products that are similar in different markets is to the overall statement still comes back to the same company, which is by then. Sure, sure. So sure. they are still quite competitive. And I mean, what, the U.S. kicking them out of the state, if that happens, because I know today is their deadline, them kicking them out of the state doesn't stop the actual company, which is by then, from exploring the market further, because it seems mm. in other parts of the world they do very well. And I mean, we have TikTok, we don't have problems with TikTok, but I, I, even when you look at the influencer market, you can see a lot of people now starting to advertise more on certain platforms, Definitely. which is the video platform. Yeah. They're competing directly with the, pre, with the US-owned companies, which is mm. your Facebooks and whatnot. So you can understand why the US would be quite skeptical. But I think, again, you are trying to kick up one company, but the other brand is doing exceptionally well without you. So they've got a good point to prove. Mm-hmm. And Alyssa, we'll have to leave it there. And uh, I guess, you know, a conversation around TikTok is always, for me, certainly a fascinating one. Because, you know, if you think about uh, um, probably the generation just uh, below our generation, um, certainly they, they are more video intensive as users of social media platforms than anybody else. And so 
TikTok is certainly, as, as it continues to grow with them, is probably going to be a massive player, uh, even in the corporate space, as you say, from an advertising perspective, where people have already started to make a considerable amount of money from it already. I mean, the four-year-old Doyen in China uh, has 22 million people listed on the platform and uh, who have earned 41.7 billion yuan, which is close to just about six, just over six billion US dollars over the past year alone. Chew on that. Annalisa, what's your question? Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Annalisa Tuswa is a business journalist speaking to us uh, this evening, taking a look at some of those big stories and uh, 